Hello again, and happy Friday to you. This is another bonus episode of the Friend of God podcast. The messages here are still from Friendship Baptist Church, located in Sturgis, Mississippi, but they are from evening and special services held throughout the year. You will hear mostly from Pastor Jeremy, but you will also be hearing from other staff members and guests from time to time. Today's message is Pastor Jeremy teaching from the book of 1 Peter, coming from chapter 2. Without any further delay, let's get right into the message. Peter chapter 2, uh, as, as we begin to look at this, there, there very much is a, uh, an understanding of growth in Christ. And how do you measure growth in Christ? Uh, growth in Christ, D.L. Moody gave an example one time. He said that a Dr. Boner once said that he could tell when a Christian was growing in proportion to his growth in grace, he would elevate his master talk less of what he himself was doing and become smaller and smaller in his own esteem until like the morning star, he faded away before the rising sun. You know, we we think about what it means to to be of service to the Lord, but we also think about what we are to to be. And one of the first things that you and I are to do are to lay it all aside. We're to lay it all aside down that we might live for Christ. So I think, brothers and sisters, we have to look in verses 1 through 3, and we begin to see how that transpires or how that goes about that we are to lay those things down, uh, that we are to have the right perspective in Him. Verse 1 says of chapter 2, it says, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, Like newborn babies, long for pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So for you and I, in order to start this journey with him and be effective for the Lord, then we've got to do what? We've got to come and lay aside all of these things which keep us from growing. And we have to feed on God's word. Meaning there are things in our life which are not befitting of the Lord. Things in our life which do not cause growth in our life, do not cause us to serve, do not cause us to lead and go. And those are the things we kind of have to lay down within our own lives if we are, as, as newborn babies, as it says here, if we are going to grow in the Lord, that we might be able to make an impact of a lasting kind for Him. And it says this, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And so it, it, it elicits in my mind that there's a relationship that's there, right? That if you have, if you know of salvation, then this is some of the things that you ought to be doing. If you are going to be of use by God, then you've got to set all of these things aside in order that you might be all the things that God wants you to be. It stands to reason that you and I have to take evaluation measures in our own lives, right? We have to look in our own own minds and hearts in order that we might be of use for Him and be filled with His Word. You know, it's it's an understanding and a perspective of Him in our lives. 
that is unmatched or unparalleled. So, so the first thing that this passage is going to challenge us to do is to look at a living stone. Verses 4 through 6, it says, In coming to him, to a living stone which has been rejected by man, but is a choice and is precious in the sight of God. Who is the living stone that it refers to? What is it talking about? Jesus, correct? What, was, what happened to Jesus? He was rejected by man, but he was the Son of God. He came for a distinct purpose, yet he was rejected. He was, he was beaten and scourged for our sin. And all of those things, it says this too. As, as we understand where and what Christ did, it tells us in the very next verse what? Verse 5 says, you also as living stones. Think about this. Okay, Christ was crucified. You and I are also in him an inheritance of this. As living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So where should we be in our lives living sacrificially and who should get the glory in all of this? You and I have to understand that we don't just live in this life. That we have a purpose, and that purpose is to, is to point others to Him. And, and you know, there's, there's you and I and how we see this, but there's also an understanding that, that I would rather have others disappointed in me than I would have Him disappointed in me. Amen? You know, at the, at the uttermost part of this, you begin to see, well, there are so many of us that don't want to make anyone mad. And I'm one of those. I don't like to make people mad. I'm just going to tell you, that's, I just don't like it. It doesn't feel good. And, and, and it rolls around in my head for a long time. I don't like to make anyone mad. But what it says here is this, that, that we, we have to ensure in our lives that the utmost of what we're doing is for the building up. For this holy priesthood that we might give an acceptable spiritual sacrifice to God through Jesus Christ. In the ultimate sense, the voice that we are, we are listening to is God Almighty. And that is the voice that we do not want to disappoint. Isaiah 28.16 says it like this. It says, Therefore, says the Lord God, behold, I am laying in Zion a a stone, and it's a costly cornerstone, and it's and it's and it's against everything that has been placed, and so, so again and again, it continues to say all of these things that are coming up, and whoever believes in him will not be disappointed, and so it says it again. Where else in the Bible does it say that? It says it also. It is echoed in Romans. It is also echoed backwards in Isaiah 8.14. And so you see that it said again and again that those who believe in me will not be disappointed. Verses, verse, uh, if we begin to see verse 6, it says, For this is contained in Scripture. It's the same thing. It says, Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. How many of us can say that that we've never been disappointed in Him. But there are plenty of reasons for Him to be disappointed in us. 
Do you understand what I'm trying to say? We make a lot of decisions that have absolutely everything to do with us and not to do with him. But every decision that he makes is out of what is the greatest good for us because he loves us. He has the greatest intention for you and you and me. So our value is very, very high. We are called precious. We are treasured. We are a value that is unmatched. It says in verses 7, as we see a, a believer's value, verses 7 through 10, it says, This precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve. The stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. Now verse 10, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Do you and I understand our value? Our value as Christian believers, but our value as those who have been bought with a price that have been bought by God. See, you and I are people of God. And we are part of the family of God. And whereas formerly we didn't have the relationship with God that we have. But through Jesus and his sacrifice, you and I are part of the family of God. And there's not a thing that can take us from his hand. Scripture tells us that time and again. But we were called out of darkness into light. How many of you understand the significance of that? That you and me, we are all due in our debt, destruction, and eternal hell, and eternal damnation. In that sense, we, you and I, right? That's what we deserve. We understand that it is because of Jesus and our proclamation of Him that we move from that darkness to light. A people that were wandering the world without hope now has hope and we are part of his family. But it is all because of his mercy that was poured out for us. That we were once a people condemned to die. And now we are a people that has life through him. Mercy. Undeserved mercy. It's because of who he is. It's because of our value to him. And it's because he says that, that he loves us and desires the best for us. So, so in, in, in furthering on in this, he tells us what we ought to do. That we ought to abstain from the flesh and present ourselves in an upright manner, befitting of Christ that is within us. So let's look further. In verse 11, it says this, Be, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. 
How many of you would rather have someone glorify God because of the way you're acting? Most of us would hold our hand up and say, that's me. I want somebody to know me, to know what I'm about, how I live, how I conduct myself, how I do things in this world. And I want them ultimately to glorify God in in everything. I want them to look and see God in me. In other words, I want them to, to see what Christ has done, who he is, and how he guides my life. You know, we, we think about a cornerstone. There was one day I was, I was at a church, and I'd never been to this church before, so me and my friend went to this church, and this is one of the churches that kind of has an all-day service. And so as we're there, and we're singing, and, and we're hearing the message, and me and my uh, Baptist mind, I think, okay, we're about to end it. It's almost lunchtime. It's time to go. Now, that was like the, that was only part one. And then we went outside, and we dedicated the building. And in the cornerstone of the building, which had significant to, significance to the whole structure, they dedicated a stone. There was significance in what that meant to the entire building, to the entire church, to the entire people. And you've got to think about it like this. What significance is Christ in our life, in us? In, in the building of, of us, which we understand, you and I, are built and held together with the blood and the sacrifice of Christ as we become a new creation. So it calls us to look at this passage and say, say, God, how do you want me to take this in? So one of the things this passage calls attention to is growing in Christ. See, more of Him and less of me should be the way that we think every single day. More of Him, less of me. Because the more of Him I have in my life, the more that He grows me. The more that He grows me, the more use I am to Him and His kingdom. Amen? Because the less I'm worried about me, the more I'm worried about Him. And when I worry about me less, I start seeing the opportunities around me. Because maybe you're like me and you begin to look like this. You see your concerns, your issues, and the things going on in your schedule. And sometimes you don't see that which is on the fringes out here. The opportunities to share our faith. The opportunities to serve others. The opportunities to live out His calling in our lives. And some of us might look at our vocational calling. And might look at where we are in life. And we might, it might not be the place where we want to be. Maybe you're not working where you want to be working. But maybe God has you there for a particular time and a particular people that need to hear the gospel message. And maybe you're at a portion of your life where you think the things which I do seem so repetitious. Maybe it's God trying to get your attention and saying you're not doing something in each one of these things. So I've got to repeat it over and over again so that you get what's going on. You know, uh, it's within our life that we are to pursue growing in Christ. And see, for us, I believe we should have a greater resemblance of Jesus than we did on day one as a follower. And it's in all aspects of our life. And I begin to think about it like this. If we are in ourselves tabernacles or we are in ourselves temples of the Holy Spirit, 
then within our lives and in all aspects of our lives, there should be no locked doors, should there? There should be no locked doors in our life, meaning there should be nothing restricted when Christ is trying to utilize us and doing His best in us. In other words, we should take the doors off the hinges. And we should say, God, I want you to have everything. Every little place in my life, even the places in our house that accumulate stuff. Now, how many of you have a stuff room? Meaning it just has stuff sat in there and you don't know what kind of stuff is in there, but you think it's important, right? Most of us wouldn't say we have that. Maybe it's a closet at your house. Maybe your house is immaculate. I don't know. But I believe that many of us have stuff in our houses that we set to the side with good intentions. I think there's also some stuff in our houses and our lives to which ought not be there. That the Christ that we believe in wants to do something in our lives, yet we are not giving him our very best, our everything. So growing in Christ is the first response that we would have for this. Secondly, if he was rejected, then we can understand that we will need to endure much for the one who gave it all for you and me and those to come. I think the passage calls it being an acceptable sacrifice. That you and I are going to have to endure much for the cause of Christ. It doesn't take us very long to look in our society now and see how many people are adverse to the gospel message. How many people have abandoned religious beliefs and have accepted what culture tries to force feed in the media and in, in the schools and everywhere else. It is an all-out attack. And it has been ongoing, and it has been there, but it seems to be more prevalent. So you and I must understand that we'll have to endure much for His sake. But if in our lives, in our endurance, in our going through of all these things, as He was rejected, and we are too, to me being an acceptable sacrifice means that I want to pursue Christ at all costs, that the world around me might know Christ through me. And the Christ that I trust in. You know, I, I'm, I don't want to apologize for my faith, in other words. I want to live out my faith. And I want to live it boldly, wherever I am. And wherever God has me. So many of you walk down different roads that I don't walk down. And go in different corridors and live in different places. And serve in different communities. And, and have different places in your life that I'm not at. So if we're all doing this and understanding how we are to live, then you and I are living in a manner of an acceptable sacrifice for the kingdom of God. So we have to endure much. Thirdly, He will not disappoint us even when we stray or even when we don't adhere to the things that we ought to adhere. See, God has... A tendency, if you read your Bible, to take people that don't do everything they ought to do, but yet are willing to yield their lives to Him. And He does an extraordinary measure in their life. And it points back to the goodness and the greatness of God, doesn't it? Read throughout the Old Testament and say that God can't use you and me. Read throughout the Bible and tell me that God doesn't take 
people and give them the ability to speak and do and serve and go and stand before uh, giants and armies and, and people that they never thought they could. And each one of those people would say, well, I am imperfect. But I'll be a voice for God. For you and I, we understand our limitations, but we must also understand God has no limitations. He can use each and every one of us for his glory. That means some of us might say, well, pastor, I couldn't do what you do and stand in front of the group up here. If the Holy Spirit of God works in your life, you can do it, too. See, we can do more than we allow for ourselves to think we can do because we want to put God in a box of what we can and what we can't do. God shatters that every time when he shows up in our lives and shows us that he can do immeasurably more than we can fathom or understand at any given time. So paired with that question of he will not disappoint us, Have you ever answered the question of this? Is he worth it all? Is he worth us sacrifice? Is he worth us enduring much? Is he worth us setting aside our lives and finding our value in him? Is he worth it all? And I would argue to that very question that he is worth it all. And that I have never, one time, ever had a regret to trusting my life in Him. There are things that we endure in this life where we say, certainly, that's more than we can bear. And when we do that, we fully realize our limitations as human beings. When we understand just how much we can't, we understand just how much God can. See, because in my weakness, He is strong. And in my time of shortcoming, I realize the strength that my Father has. See, I believe He is worth it. And I believe we don't have regrets when we look at Him in the right perspective. Fourthly, we all have value because of Jesus Christ. You and I all have value. We go through peaks and valleys. We go through life's difficulties and sorrows. We go through things in life that don't make any sense to us. The sorrows and heartaches of this life. But I truly believe that every life that He creates is worthwhile. This past couple of weeks ago, there was a Sanctity of Life Sunday. I believe that God doesn't make mistakes. Everything he creates is alive. And so within that, I, I believe in the stance that God creates us in our mother's womb. He does all of those things. And it's because he doesn't make mistakes. So we all have value because of him. And we all must understand whether or not we're in the mountain or the valley or trudging somewhere in between, God has a plan for our life. And He treasures us and desires for us to look to Him. 
and we have our value, not in what we accomplish, not in the accolades of this life, not in what other people think of us, but in what he thinks of me and what he thinks of us. So. Fifth, we have to wage war against the powers of iniquity, sinfulness and the snares that so easily trip us up. Why? Why do you and I have to wage war on those things which so easily entangle us? Why do you and I have to have to say within our mind and purpose within our heart that we are going to do all that we can for God's glory? Why do we have to do that? Because when we have every fiber of us and every intention in us and every purpose within us poised to do the things of God in our lives and when everything in our life is meant to say yes to him and allow for him to do his best in us not having any locked doors then we begin to see this that the mission of Christ and the advancement of the gospel until he returns or until the whole world hears is our objective See, as Christian believers, I want to make sure as many people as I can for the amount of time that I am here know that Christ is who he says he is and that he can save the darkest, blackest soul in this world and he can redeem them for his glory. And I've seen God do amazing things in people's life that if I'm looking in my own human heart, I say they don't deserve it. But then when I look back at myself, I say, I don't either. I've seen God do some extraordinary things within the lives of those gathered in this church. I'm telling you, you've seen something that, that, that only God can do, and you give God the glory. In my life, I want to make sure that the majority of the people that I encounter know of Jesus Christ. I don't know how long I'm going to be in this world. You and I don't have a clue, do we? So what does that mean for us? That every moment needs to count, doesn't it? You know, I I can't tell you how many times if I'm out at a restaurant or somewhere eating that I don't have someone coming up to me telling me what's going on in their lives. And I begin to say, well, well, I don't have my shirt on that says I'm with friendship. Uh, You know, I'm not telling them or showing them in that way. I'm sitting here eating my meal. But it's, it's a God moment where I can stop and I'm listening to someone that, that's there to take my order, begin to tell me about their struggles in their life. It's one of those things that sends a light bulb off, says this is a God-sized moment. Now I can choose in that moment to do what? To just go rattle off my order and just not think about that person. Or I can choose in that moment to stop to pray with that person and to lift them up. Several weeks ago, there was um, a delivery man that came here. And it just so happened that, that me and uh, others were in my office. And he began to tell us of his daughter, Laura, that he wanted to be prayed for. Well, this delivery man who was asking for directions... From where, to, from, from where our church is to somewhere else, I said, can I have the pleasure of praying for you? And just praying for his daughter right then and there, this man left with tears in his eyes. And I may never see him again. He might never stop here again. But on that day, it was a divine 
thing that God placed him in our path that we might pray over him. God uses us in that very same way for the advancement of the gospel and for the mission of Christ. And that's never a point where we've told enough people. You know, the great tragedy is where we might come across the fact that we might have been a Christian for so many years, yet the word of God doesn't appeal to us like it used to. Some people say it like this. They say, well, I'm good. I know all I need to know. I've read through the Bible. But I'm telling you, the Bible is living and it is an active word of God. And so every time I open the word of God, he speaks to me through every scripture. I don't care how many times I've read it. Amen. We've got to understand that it is for us. It is for us to tell the good news. And it's for him to tell us when it's time to quit. As I was thinking about this. That, and the statement come across my mind. I said, only he reserves the right to hold up the checkered flag for the final lap. Some of you may be racing fans. But only he has the right to tell us when it's time. And it's time to go and he calls us home. That's when our mission is done. Amen. That's when it's finished for you and me. And you and I don't know when that's going to happen. So what do we do? We share him with reckless abandonment, no matter where we are, at all costs, for his name to be glorified. So I'm going to ask you this evening, as we go into a time of invitation, do you take up your cross and follow him like you ought to? Is he the cornerstone within your spiritual life? Do you understand that the world around you is going to reject him. And by doing that, they're going to reject you and how you live. But nonetheless, that should not keep you from proclaiming the name of Christ. How many people, how many people prayed for you and shared Christ with you over the history of time before you said yes to him? How much more do you and I need to do the very same for someone else around us. You say, well, certainly everybody knows about Jesus. Everybody's got a Bible, don't they? We live in Mississippi, right? The Bible Belt. Everybody's got one of those. Everybody knows. I guarantee you, if you were to go out among a group of people and you were to ask them about Jesus Christ, you would be shocked to find that most people don't know much more than what they've just heard about Jesus Christ. But you and I know the difference. What? What's the difference in knowing about Jesus Christ and knowing Him as Lord and Savior? There's a big divide behind that, right? You and I know a lot about a little, but we need to know a lot about Christ, and He needs to be our Lord and Savior. That's what it means to accept Him as our personal Lord and Savior. This morning, we had Riley Baldwin, who came down forward, and over the past several weeks, she's had conversations with her parents as well as Trevor. And she felt within her heart of hearts that she needed to, without a shadow of a doubt, proclaim Jesus as Lord in her life. Now, I guarantee you, that young lady is not going to just say, oh, this is what I've done. She's going to tell somebody. She's going to share the good news. She's going to proclaim Christ in her life. 
And she's going to become the light that he created her to be. What can we do in our lives to be the very same way? To be the very same light. To live for Christ as he gave his life for us. Heavenly Father, we come this evening, God. We, we think about our own humanity. We think about our lives and how we fall short. Heavenly Father, your scripture reminds us that you were rejected by many. But we are to be living stones ourselves. Examples of what you've done in our lives, but what you can do in someone else's lives. Heavenly Father, God, I know that we will endure much for your gospel's sake. But God, it's so worth it. You are so worth it. You have forgiven so much in us. So God, I know that we can forgive others. God, we have been given mercy beyond all we deserve. So God, I know that we can share our faith and serve others unapologetically. Heavenly Father, we live in a world that's devoid of the gospel for the most part. So God, I pray that we are the examples that they can see. God, that we share our faith, that we don't apologize for what we believe in. But God, that we let your word be living and active in our lives. That there might be more of you and less of us. That we might embrace how weak we are, but how strong you are. Father, that we might take an account of our lives and understand that we should have no locked rooms in our mind and our hearts, God. We need to give it all to you. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that we are found acceptable before you, God. And as we live as acceptable sacrifices, I pray that it points nothing to us, but all to you, God. For your glory, for your grace that's more than enough, that can turn back the darkness in the hardest of hearts and redeem the worst sinner such as me. God, we thank you for the opportunity to acknowledge your name. To know you as Lord and Savior. God, I pray that we take advantage of every opportunity that we have until you call us home. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this and moving us in a way that only you can. Thank you for listening to this Friday bonus episode of the Friend of God podcast. We know that your time is the most valuable commodity that you possess. And we are enormously grateful that you chose to share it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fbcms. Both links can be found in the show notes below. If you would leave a rating or review of our new podcast, we would be very appreciative. And if you would go as far as to share it with others, we will be eternally grateful. We pray that you have a God-filled weekend, and remember, love God, love people, and reach the world.